What is going on, friends? Thank you for joining us for the New Vision Podcast. We here at New Vision believe that the gospel transforms lives. So we're going to take an opportunity to open up God's word and see what he has to say so that we can take the best next step to become more like Jesus. This is Marilyn Mitchell, and I'm the Women's Ministry Director at New Vision's Buchanan Campus. Today, I am excited to continue our study of the Gospel according to Mark, chapter 6, and today I'll be starting with verses 1 through 13 and reading from the English Standard Version, and it says this about Jesus. He went away from there and came to his hometown, and his disciples followed him. And on the Sabbath, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were astonished, saying, Where did this man get these things? What is the wisdom given to him? How are such mighty works done by his hands? Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, and the brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon? Are not his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. And Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor, except in his hometown, and among his relatives, and in his own household. And he could do no mighty work there, except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. And he went about among the villages teaching, and he called the twelve and began to send them out two by two, and gave them authority over the unclean spirits. He charged them to take nothing for their journey except a staff, no bread, no bag, no money in their belts, but to wear sandals and not put on two tunics. And he said to them, whenever you enter a house, stay there until you depart from there. And if any place will not receive you and they will not listen to you, when you leave, shake off the dust that is on your feet as a testimony against them. So they went out and proclaimed that people should repent. And they cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them. Well, of course, we've been studying all the miracles and all the mighty things that Jesus has been doing in these preceding chapters. And then here we are where he's leaving these great, huge crowds and all this fame where he, you know, he had to get away from these crowds sometimes. But all of this fame, all of these crowds, he went away from there and came to his hometown, hometown of Nazareth, and his disciples followed him there. And isn't it so fascinating? And I just, this is one of those passages that just really strikes me with the humanity of Jesus. That he was like us, y'all. That's the point of the gospel, that he came in the flesh and lived the life that we could not live, a perfect sinless life in the flesh. But he was flesh and blood. He had emotions. He had feelings just like we do. We see that throughout the scriptures. We see his anger when he turns the tables. We see his grief when Lazarus dies. We see all these things. And so um, it's just, I, I can't help but feel kind of the humanity of this moment. We all know that there can be some um, nostalgia and maybe angst or um, bittersweetness or anticipation, whatever, all those things complicated feelings that many of us might have about our hometowns. Um, And I'm sure Jesus must have felt the same way. We know from other gospels, I think Gospel of Luke, that he'd been there another time and and not necessarily received very well. And so sadly, he's going to have a similar experience um, here. He gets there on the Sabbath. He begins to teach in the synagogue. And it says, many who heard him were astonished. They were amazed. But almost in a split second, we see just how quickly this thing turns. And in rapid fire succession, Mark records these questions that the, that the 
group that the people there in his hometown, his very tiny hometown, by the way, you know, he'd been being followed by throngs of people, done done miracles before thousands. And now he's in a town that's extremely tiny. It's smaller than, than, than um, our smallest congregations. I mean, we're talking maybe 150 to 300 people um, in this hometown. And so here they are, these um, ones, and, and they go so quickly straight from astonishment into um, really antagonistic questioning. Where did this man get these things? What is this wisdom? How can he have done these mighty works by his hands? He's just a carpenter. He's Mary's son. We know his brothers, James, Joseph, Judas, Simon. Aren't his sisters right here? They just couldn't believe it. And it's so fascinating to me as we see this, how they didn't deny that he was doing the things he had done. They didn't deny the fame that he had gotten or the mighty works that he had done. They simply denied him. They rejected him because they could not reconcile what they were hearing and seeing with their own eyes and ears with what they believed in their hearts to be true about him. Man, isn't that just part of the ugly human experience? Rejection sometimes comes when, where, and from whom we least expect it. And here's Jesus in his hometown. And again, the disciples followed him there. They were witnessing these things. And I can't help but imagine how um, offended for him they were. But what's interesting is we hear not about their offense, but it actually says that the people listening took offense at Jesus Scholars say, some say that this word offense could be translated more like scandalized. They were scandalized by him. It was scandalous to them that he was doing these things. And I just, how, how you know, we have the benefit, of course, of, of thousands of years of, um, of information and revelation between the now and then, but it still seems so obvious just how um, he marveled. He marveled himself because of their unbelief about this. How could these people reject? Again, they're not even rejecting what he said he did or what he, they heard he did or what they might have even seen him do. Yet it limited. He, he could do no mighty work there because of their unbelief. And that's a conviction and a reminder to us that our unbelief limits us and limits what we benefits we can receive. And so, um, I think it's just um, also a good reminder from two different ways we can look at this. One is that maybe there are people in our realm of influence, people in our families, in our neighborhoods, in our hometowns, that we seem to just cling to this image of what they were. And so even when we hear good things or we, we see things that are, or they might talk about things that have changed and are different, you know, behind closed doors, everybody goes, yeah, we know who they are. That's so-and-so's son or daughter. You know, they, uh, we know what they did in high school, those kinds of things. And um, how sad and tragic that is that we limit people that we, that just like these folks in, in Nazareth, we go so quick from our amazement and astonishment into this skepticism and ridicule. Um, so that should be a conviction for us, of course. And then for ourselves, maybe we're the ones who have experienced this rejection. Maybe we have made, a, the Lord has blessed us with a radical transformation. And there's people in our lives, again, in our own, you know, it says in his own hometown, among his relatives and in his very own household. Did you catch that part? He says, a prophet is not without honor except in his hometown, among his relatives, and in his own household. Jesus himself experienced that, that there were members in his own household that didn't fully grasp who he was and what he could do, and oh, how they missed it, and oh, how we miss it if we do the same. 
But what Jesus did and what we can do if we're in a similar situation is keep going forward to understand the mission of our Father and to keep after it. And that's exactly what it did. He did marvel at their unbelief. I'm sure he grieved that unbelief, but he kept going. He went out among the villages and started teaching. And he called the twelve and gave them their directions, sent them out two by two, gave them authority over the unclean spirits, and charged them to take nothing with them, nothing on these journeys except a staff, not bread, so no food, no bag, no money. And they could wear sandals, but not even put on two tunics. What Jesus is really saying is, listen, no backup plans, no secret hordes, no backup to my backup. Rely on me is what Jesus is telling them. He says he is wanting them to know that he will provide. And he says, if any place rejects them and doesn't listen, that when they leave, they should shake the dust off their feet as a testimony against them. I can't help but wonder if that's what Jesus did as he left Nazareth that last time. As far as we know in the Gospels, he never went back after that visit. So I'm just curious. Again, this was an incredibly teachable moment for the disciples to have witnessed this. And it was sadly um, preparation for them too, because they would certainly encounter rejection themselves. And Jesus didn't want to just give them the pretty glamorous parts. Um, He wanted them to see the real sacrifices they would be making um, and see how he, the perfect one, um, modeled for us to handle this. So he wanted them to rely fully on him. Don Edwards says, the true service of Jesus is characterized by dependence on Jesus. I want to repeat that. True service, our service towards Jesus, the true service of Jesus is characterized by dependence on Jesus. And dependence on Jesus is signified by going where Jesus sends despite material shortfalls and unanswered questions. They must trust him alone who sends them. I don't know about you, but that really pricks my heart. Our true service, our truest service that he requires is utmost dependence. And that dependence is signified by going and doing what Jesus sends us and tells us to do regardless of any material shortfalls or unanswered questions. So whether we're being rejected by friends, family, neighbors, our hometown, or whether we are going out into the world penniless and without even food in our backpack, right? We must trust him alone who sends them. And why? Because he will provide. And I feel like so often we miss the many blessings of seeing God provide in these circumstances, these impossible situations, because we're so determined to take care of them ourselves. And yet we rob ourselves and God of the glory that he deserves. It's these little provisions that require super big faith in God. And that's exactly where he wants us, is utterly and totally dependent on him for our every need. And he will meet them. So today, I don't know if um, the encouragement and the conviction that you need is about being able to see beyond what other people say about you or what you even say about other people and to really see them as God sees them. Maybe it's, it's this idea of that in our service to him, service comes without our qualifications or our justifications. True service is characterized by our dependence on Jesus. And, you know, even when it doesn't, Um, I think it's beautiful here how he talks about and prepares them for the fact that not everyone will receive them. And he says, when that happens, wipe the dust off your feet, but keep going. 
And I think many times we allow the enemy to stop us right there. We feel like if we encounter rejection, if we encounter hardship, whether that's, again, um, qualification related or physical provision related, we immediately think, oh, then God must not have been in it. We're really, we're not fully being dependent upon him. We're supposed to keep going. That, that, that rejection was in no way a determination for them that, okay, if you can't convince these people, then you're done. I'll get someone else. It has nothing to do with that. This is free will in, in motion is that, that we do what we can. We pursue the call that God has given us, and then we leave the results to him. But we don't stew over them. We don't agonize over them. We don't stay somewhere longer than we're meant to stay. We dust the, feet off, uh, dust, the dust off our shoes and keep going, doing exactly what he's called us to do. So I pray for you and for me this week and as we move forward that we'll have a big faith that God will meet our needs, that we'll understand that our qualifications have nothing to do with where we're from or whose we are or our, our households. It's, it has to do with the fact that we are called to be disciples of Christ Jesus and he will meet us in our needs. So I look forward to seeing what's next for us as we finish out chapter six tomorrow. And I am praying for God to continue to reveal his word to you in precious and powerful ways. Thank you for joining us today for the New Vision Podcast. We hope that you have heard a word from the Lord and that you can better walk today in light of God's word. To find out more information about New Vision, we would love for you to follow us on Instagram at New Vision Life or look us up online at newvisionlife.com. And as always, we look forward to seeing you tomorrow.